Welcome to Cowan Insights, a space that brings leading thinkers together to share insights and ideas shaping the world around us. Join us as we converse with the top minds who are influencing our global sectors. I'm Vivian Azer, Cowan's Beverages, Tobacco, and Cannabis Analyst, delighted to be joined by Jushi Holdings founder, chairman, and CEO, Jim Cassioppo. Jim, thanks for joining us. Great. Thanks for having me, Vivian. Appreciate the opportunity. So, Jim, as a newer entrant into the U.S. cannabis um, ecosystem, can you talk a little bit about what makes Jushi Holdings different? Yeah, so we were started uh, with an a philosophy of shareholders first and a very management-intensive uh, practice. By background, um, I spent uh, have been a hedge fund investor, private equity investor, for over 25 years, and um, and I was introduced to the cannabis business in 2015 as an investor, and I think I invested in you know, roughly 25 different companies prior to starting Jushi, and um, that gives me you know the perspective of the market and understanding shareholder value, and uh, I started Jushi because I thought the best opportunity was in the U.S. and I thought that there wasn't a lot of great management teams to invest in. Uh, this was prior to some of the bigger companies going public. I had been involved in you know, two different companies that both were public and ended up merging. And I was right about their management uh, you know, uh, issues. Uh, they, uh, they ultimately restructured, it was Ianthus, um, and then the, the MPX, they, I invested in both of those, did well because I sold. But um, nonetheless, uh, management principles are the key and having a very strong management team is the key. Absolutely. That sounds pretty sound. And given um, the timing of your entry into the marketplace, it seems like Juicy is taking a slightly different approach from some of your larger peers who seem to be a little bit more wholesale oriented. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I think, um, uh, you know, we, we uh, a lot of those companies were really started through winning, um, winning uh, licenses and had that advantage of not having to put capital out for licenses. Now, shareholders today, you're not getting that advantage because you, you're paying for that license value uh, when you buy the, their stocks today. Uh, but in a, for a company like Jushi, uh, we were started sort of after a lot of that happened, uh, the sort of the licensing period in states like Illinois uh, or Pennsylvania, for example. And we decided that our critical competence was buying. I have a great M&A background, investing background, did it for years. So we've probably been... I believe uh, pretty well known for those who follow us, uh, one of the best companies in terms of acquiring companies. We went retail first because that is um, a capital light uh, sort of uh, venture. Uh, and I thought uh, compared to grow a processor where you have to build, 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 put more capital in. I thought that was risky. A lot of companies that had problems have been too weighted to grow processors. They've been unable to finish their builds and they've subsequently had to sell at distressed prices. We Hey, let's build a base of revenues off of retail. Uh, number one, the, we thought the retail competitive advantage would last longer because municipalities don't want more in their, in their neighborhoods. Uh, they take the NIMBY approach, not in my backyard. And that's worked out very well for us. In Pennsylvania, we've acquired 18 licenses for about $80 million. And if you look at what uh, other folks are paying these days, and there's plenty of examples, they paid hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, approaching a half a billion for 18 different dispensary licenses. So it really worked out for us. And in Pennsylvania, as an example, we were able to get a distressed grow processor, a company was out of cash, they had to sell. Uh, we picked it off during the COVID time period. 
uh, for $37 million, 88,000 square feet, uh, with the ability to expand to over 200,000 square feet. And that's, that's a pretty good deal. $37 million, you know, it had revenues, cash flows, all of that. Absolutely. You know, speaking of M&A and valuations, you know, absent the, the pullback that we've seen in the space more recently, you know, the broad U.S. cannabis sector had a really nice run coming out of the election. So, you know, how do you ensure that you're paying reasonable valuations, you know, given kind of the change in, I think, you know, certainly investor sentiment, likely seller sentiment after the Democrats um, swept in the 2020 election? So, I, I, you know, we just announced a deal in, in Massachusetts, which was negotiated subsequent to the election. Uh, we acquired an asset in uh, Massachusetts, one of the best run companies in Massachusetts by the name of uh, Nature's Remedy. Uh, Nature's Remedy has a, a large growth processor that they're able to expand and, and, um, uh, and, and two retails that are performing uh, very, very well. Uh, we were able to buy that for five times this year EBITDA and three times next year's EBITDA. The big difference there is that they're doing expansion to grow processor much more towards wholesale this year. And so next year they'll have about, we believe about 70% or more of the revenues will be wholesale based. And, and, and so that to me is a tremendous multiple. And I do not believe the private markets have gotten expensive uh, for quite a few reasons. Um, and, and I think why that is, is because um, most of the large public companies with the best stocks that you'd want to own if you were a seller and uh, the balance sheet to take the acquisitions and invest in them are already full. I mean, where can CureLeaf go? I mean, how many states can they go in? They can go in a few states, but not many. GTI is probably not too much different. Um, uh, maybe they can have a little bit more opportunity. Let's just go down the large companies and look at the states that they can actually do acquisitions in, it's not that many. And that leaves a small handful of us. We're already built down Pennsylvania. We can't do a deal in Pennsylvania. So, so you have to look and you can see where the competition is. Um, so there are states where you can uh, get some really good value. So some other states where sellers feel more emboldened, they've always felt emboldened in those states. They're great states like an Illinois grower processor, for example, that can be kind of pricey, we think. So we haven't done that. Got it. Well, that, that seems reasonable enough. And you're right. Some of your large peers are fully penetrated into the market. So even though they're well capitalized, you're not bidding against them, which makes a lot of sense. Um, let's stick with Pennsylvania. Um, tremendous market, uh, you know, even though it's medical only, uh, closed out the year with close to 400,000 patients, run rating at a billion dollars. It's a limited license structure. You guys have the opportunity to open 18 doors. Where are you today? We have 11 open. Two of those are from an acquisition where uh, we're not closing the door, but we're improving the doors. In one case, we're moving it. So we'll close the door eventually, but we'll move it to a new location. We don't like the location on an acquisition, same acquisition, but we're doubling size of the store and they're going from three POSs to a big number. We, we try to get 14, 15 in the store if we can these days in preparation for adult use. So that's a good location in Bethlehem, but it has a lot of work to do to make it a juicy quality store. Uh, so we have uh, so we have effectively uh, nine that I would call juicy quality stores going to 18. We expect all of those additional uh, a seven and the two turnarounds to happen in this calendar year or by the latest the end of the first quarter next year. 
And obviously with those um, expanding retail um, doors, you're going to need product um, to fill them. Pennsylvania is a, a wholesale market, but you guys are in the process of expanding um, your own cultivation. Can you just walk the audience through that? So, yeah. So uh, first of all, we've had not had a problem filling our store shelves since we've owned these dispensaries. At the beginning, of course, we did because we didn't own them until we owned them. But we have a great balance sheet. And we pay our bills on time. We can actually pay early. We did prepay deals with people. And, and so we've and, and we're also a good counterparty. We have a lot of stores. We have 17 stores in multiple states. The wholesalers love us. We love them. They love us. So we haven't had a problem. Second, we had in, in Pennsylvania, we've had a fantastic uh, uh, um, opportunity to get into grower processes we took advantage of. And now uh, we've invested significant capital into that grower processor and we'll have an expansion complete by the end of the year. Uh, we'll have the first 88,000 square feet of existing space completely redone to be the center of a 200,000 square foot facility that could be 350,000 square feet eventually. But it, the 200,000, what was really 190,000 square foot facility will be finished in the second quarter of next year. Uh, uh, the first chunk of that that takes us to, I think, about 140,000 square feet will be done the fourth quarter of this year. So as these stores open up in our market uh, in Pennsylvania, we'll be right there with plenty of capacity to service our stores and to be a significant wholesale player in Pennsylvania. Well, certainly that 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 scale is impressive, um, but you are not the only company that's expanding uh, your cultivation footprint in Pennsylvania. So, Jim, how do you think about the evolution of pricing in that market as you and your peers bring online more capacity? Yeah, um, I, 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 that, that's not a market where I worry about it yet, Vivian. Uh, that I think that market has years and years to go. Um, the reason why is very simple. We're taking it from, you know, 11 to 18 um, the market is roughly in the same place, you know, call it 10 to 18. So there's an 80% increase in the number of stores in the medical market over, let's say the next 12 to 18 months. And, and so the medical, those are in new jurisdictions typically, uh, that's adding new patients, new sales into the market. So the medical market has a long road in Pennsylvania to go uh, before it's, um, um, you know, uh, filled. And right now it's really difficult. Jushi finds it, you know, easier to get, to get the flower product uh, which is the short product in Pennsylvania. We find it easier because of our balance sheet and our relationships, but also we have a grow processor. So we're a wholesaler and we're able to make ends meet and get our stores filled, uh, but we're still short product. But by the end of the year, we'll have this huge expansion. Other people are, are expanding, but the, some of the big expansions are behind us uh, for the medical market. And I think the next chunk is really in preparation for the adult use market. And if you look at the Illinois example, the market tripled very, very quickly. So when you have a tripling of the market, I believe the market will go short again for product, uh, which will drive prices up. And then, you know, have a period of time before the industry gets to build up to meet that demand. We have numbers behind that. That's proprietary information, so I don't share those publicly, uh, but we feel confident we have a lot of years to go in Pennsylvania. And how do you think that incremental capacity will impact the, the revenue mix within your four walls? What do you guys target, if you target anything, in terms of um, sales in your dispensaries, own brand versus third party? We're um, in, in, in our stores right now uh, in Pennsylvania, which where we have a large uh, grower processor, we're, we're still a short product from our grower processor. So we're not at that maximum point yet uh, where we would know where we're going to settle out. That'll be a decision. Uh, that we'll make as we get there. Uh, the goal though is to offer the patients and uh, customers in the adult use market a wide selection, cost competitive. We believe our product will be, is a very competitive product. It's, it's, we can produce it at a very good value. 
and we could sell at a very good value. So we would expect our products to be the biggest in the store. Um, and I would point out that, you know, in terms of the wholesale business, being a large um, um, uh, uh, a player in the market, we think we have the power to get our wholesale product on other shelves and ensure we get sell-through there too, to match the sell-through we get. To monitoring situation, we make sure we sell our products wholesale and we will be fair in our stores and offer the patient competitive choice. It sounds like, you know, traditional CPG, when, when you talk about the category that way, is you think about uh, price architecture and a variety of brands and, and form factors, um, which, is, which is great to see. Um, maybe let's pivot to, to another very large market for you, um, Illinois. Your revenue per door, um, which you guys are very transparent about disclosing, um, is, is quite impressive, um, even for an adult use marketplace. Can you talk a little bit about that? I think it's driven by two great markets. Uh, the, the, the first market is Sauget, which is a very small town across the uh, bridge from uh, St. Louis. And on the Illinois side actually is East St. Louis, and Sauget is effectively a part of East St. Louis. It's just a separate uh, metropolitan area. And it has made uh, years of a living by servicing the population of St. Louis. Uh, so so uh, there's all kinds of nightclubs there. Uh, so our stores mixed in with all this night, nightlife activity. And, and so it's just a great spot to have high customer penetration. And it's a fun place for people in Illinois to go to uh, from St. Louis. And so it's a great place. And there's only two stores allowed and we have them both. And those stores are average about 30 million each. And I think there's some growth once those nightclubs open up to their um, you know, COVID, post-COVID potential. They're open now uh, for the first time in a while, uh, but they have ways to go before people really get out and use them to the full capacity. The other metropolitan area that we're in is uh, Bloomington Nor Normal. Uh, uh, that's known as the uh, home of uh, Illinois State, uh, which is a very big university and some other universities there. They've been closed in COVID. Still, our stores are doing great between 15 and 18 million each. Uh, that's, that's a really nice number uh, for a store. And we believe there's growth potential there from when uh, the universities get up and going and population in Bloomington Normal has a full effect of the student in the and the professors and all the support staff that work at those universities. That's great. And, I, and I'm glad you called out the COVID impact um, because one of the things that I thought was really interesting is that you guys have offered um, some, some really granular data points around some of the, the COVID impacts to your, your online e-commerce. Um, and in particular, that your online sales grew um, close to 180% between May of 2020 and December of 2020. Can you talk a little bit about um, the challenges and opportunities that are associated with e-commerce and Canvas specifically? Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest problem is, is uh, we can't use services like Uber Eats, um, you know, deliver. Uh, the ordering system is used and the patient comes and pick it up uh, and, and picks it up. Uh, so over time, there'll be a huge growth when we can be the deliverer of choice or use a third party service. Um, but, but already we find that 70 to 80 percent of our, our sales are touched through the online presence. And the customer uh, is like any other customer. They prefer to shop online. Uh, and they prefer a quick in and out uh, service when they come into a uh, dispensary. Um, and um, it's actually quite logical if you think about it. Uh, the uh, customer base for Canvas trends younger and therefore they're more technologically proficient on average than a different um, uh, business. So I, I believe that Canvas will be on the cutting edge of e-commerce. E um, our service providers, uh, which are Jane Technologies, Headset, um, and um, Spring 
uh, Spring Big for a loyalty program, tell us that we're uh, the most sophisticated company they deal with. We have a great group that runs this. And we, I think we have a fantastic online presence and we continue to spend dollars to make sure we're top in the industry. You mentioned um, the inability to use a platform like Uber Eats, um, which I think is a really great segue to a newer market for you, Virginia. You opened your first dispensary there uh, December of last year, and, and you do have deliveries in that market. We do, and uh, it's a very new market. So just, uh, you know, we started first cannabis, sale, first cannabis sales as an industry in the fourth quarter last year. It was late fourth quarter, in fact. So it's very, very new. We opened our store up then as well. And um, so, you know, the store is growing uh, early, early stage. The program's early. The patients still have trouble getting their cards because they're so backlogged at the Board of Pharmacy, which is the regulator. Uh, so we see continued growth in that store. And we are doing delivery. Uh, we hire a woman out of uh, DoorDash, I believe, one of the delivery companies. And we are trying to put best practices in place to have a fantastic delivery operation. We have a beta uh, uh, sort of um, uh, operation that kicked off late in April, and um, so I think we're you know we're we're poised to to really be uh, top in the business at that in Virginia certainly, but also utilize that uh, cost that we're incurring in Virginia around the rest of the country. And the way the stores are being designed, they're different because it's allowed up front. We're devoting we we have a, a we'll make the vaults bigger where the product goes, sort of a separate entrance for the delivery so they don't have to go through the front of the store and they're sort of um, not competing with the customers in the store and uh, just making a very efficient operation as you would want to design it at day one. That's great. Let's stick with Virginia. The, the licensing model is a little bit different there. So maybe um, walk through what does HSA mean for you at Juji specifically? Yes, yeah, so an HSA is a health service area. And we have Health Service Area 2, which is Northern Virginia, also known as Novo, uh, Nova, excuse me. And, and, um, and uh, it is uh, the uh, largest economic and the most populated area. Uh, so it has the highest per capita incomes, the highest per capita GDP. Uh, the five biggest MSAs are in Northern Virginia, and we have an exclusive right to service those. We have six dispensaries we can open, and, and, and we, we have plans to put in a uh, quarter of a million square foot uh, grower processor. We already have 90,000 uh, square feet built out. Uh, it's one third built out, meaning the whole building is there, but we're one third built out in operations. We're hoping to have everything completed in the fourth quarter of this year to get that up to snuff uh, so it could service a new program. They allowed flower year. So um, that is a big boost to a medical program. I mean, the existing facility we have the 33,000 square feet is big enough for the market right now. But with the flower coming in the fourth quarter, that's going to be a big impetus for uh, demand. If you looked in Florida, they had an immediate uptick, large uptick in patient population when they allowed flower. It's typical Pennsylvania as well. Um, so, you know, we feel great about, you know, what's going on in Virginia. So, uh, Jim, last one on, on Virginia. It's one of the, the newest states um, where the governor signed uh, legislation to legalize um, adult use uh, in 2024. So while that's a ways off, talk about your expectations for that market. Number one, do you think that that date could get pulled forward? And number two, what do you think that adult use framework is going to look like? The uh, adult use market looks uh, really um, um, uh, strong in, in, in Virginia. Um, there will be some competition. There always is some more dispensary licenses. We like that. We'll be the, one of the largest wholesalers. And uh, we'll have 
you know, a really good dispensaries, we think relative to the competition because of the way the law is written. So we're very excited about that as well. And, um, you know, 2024 is a long way off, but we have a very early medical market to build out. So we're very happy building out that medical market going into 2024. They've decriminalized this summer, uh, the, the possession of it. Um, so the governor really would like to bring that forward. Um, and the thinking is in the industry that, that that will happen and time will tell. We'll see if that gets brought forward. That would be a good thing for us, obviously. Certainly, that'll be something exciting to watch. Uh, Jim Cassiopo, uh, founder, chairman, CEO of Chushi Holdings. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, I'm Vivian Azer, Cowan's Cannabis Beverages and Tobacco Analyst. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for the next episode of Cowan Insights.